This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money to Me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now today we're bringing you a special guest episode. We're actually going to be speaking with Jay Albany, the CEO of Wide Open Agriculture. Now the code on the ASX is WOA and it's a micro cap with a $21 million market cap currently. Now Jay has spent his career building better networks to access quality food. He joined Wide Open Agriculture in 2019 and ran the company's commercial food brand Dirty Clean Food before becoming the CEO of the public entity. Now, Jay is really passionate about building new channels, which you'll hear in this episode, that connect consumers to regenerative farms in WA. He really is, and it was really great to hear his backstory. So as you'll hear in the conversation today, Jay has a wealth of experience leading growth initiative and strategic partners in the consumer and financial services industry. Most recently, if you looked up his CV, he was running the corporate strategy at Max Delivery, which is a New York-based, online grocery specialised store, which has a really nice tag to it. It's eco-friendly delivery from your local gourmet grocery producer. Now, WOA is a for-profit and for-purpose food and agriculture company really looking to leverage off regenerative farming practices through unique food and beverage products. So we've set the scene for you guys on our special guest for today's episode. Just before we delve into the conversation, quick reminder, our chat today is not considered personal advice, even though we are registered financial advisors at Shoreham Partners. As always, this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. Everything discussed today is based on the facts known at the time, 21st of March, 2023. Now, I know a lot of listeners skip through that disclaimer, so welcome back as you've just skipped through that. Let's bring you the episode today. Welcome, Jay, to Talk Money to Me. Hi, Felicity. Thanks for having me on. Awesome to sit down with you, Jay. So I guess we wanted to start off today's conversation with you by turning back the clock. We heard your bio at the start of the episode, but we'd just love to hear it from yourself, you know, your journey so far in the food industry and what led you to wide open agriculture. Sure. That, that's a great question. So my, my I'm, you can probably hear from my accent. I didn't grow up in uh, Western Australia, but I did. I grew up in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, just in the United States. My father really valued like homegrown food, especially. I'm going to say this with the American word, especially tomatoes, uh, tomatoes for you folks, <laughs> homegrown tomatoes. Um, and we used to go down to a place called uh, Pepper Place, which was a farmer's market outside of Birmingham. And it really, and then all the kind of fun family things that maybe we take for granted sometimes about going to pick fresh berries someplace or um, getting fresh food. But it was really instilled in me you know, how important and how better tasting uh, food is when you know where it comes from and you buy it directly from um, the farmer uh, or you see where it comes from and you, and you know how it's grown. Um, so that, that's kind of always been important to me. Uh, fast forward uh, into life, uh, I went to uh, school in New York where 
I was right around the time of like hot high dot com Nasdaq uh, bubble, like late nineties, early two thousands, and um, I went to work for a really cool, um, exciting startup, um, which was called Cosmo dot com with a, with a K and a Z, which was a sort of instant Amazon, and an hour was the uh, sort of pitch and basically um, but it was very focused on like convenient delivery snacks impulse buying and it was kind of it's funny it was kind of like the at that time like the really emblematic of the age it, it raised a lot of money big funds uh, you know, <laughs> Goldman Flatiron JP Morgan hundreds of millions of dollars and then you know it sort of crashed like everything else uh, but it was like the ultimate of consumer gratification you know I'm at my apartment in New York I want a, a movie it, there were actually you know DVDs back then and um, food like right now maybe beer wine and you know we'd hustle with a bike over to deliver it uh, in you know 15 or 20 minutes uh, and it was so that, that's kind of the, the, the story of how I started work and then after that I went to work in finance for uh, on the buy side for about 10 years I'm a I'm a CFA charter holder, which is um, kind of you know, kind of fun. Uh, fun fact about me, and then but I always liked that thrill of building a business. So um, first opportunity that that I had, uh, I partnered with someone who was who I worked with, Chris Siragusa from. Um, he was originally with me from Cosmo, and we and I worked with him to build uh, an online grocery delivery. So can the you know fast delivery model work in a different setting and um, it, it did like, all you really needed and we did make it profitable and that, that company has, has since been sold um, but it was um, it was a really good sort of intro to uh, taking lessons learned in, in sort of first wave of excess and then making sure that you um, plan correctly to have a cash flow positive business. So that that's all kind of the setup, I guess. I'm still in America at this point. So, um, but uh, along the journey of my life, I, my wife and I were starting a family, and we're sitting in our uh, in our apartment uh, in Brooklyn, and looking at National Geographic and Pernalulu National Park, uh, Bungle Bungles um, was like featured as. The, the this lead article in National Geographic and it's like 2007 and we just were like oh man we are so tired of the New York rat race we should move to New Jersey <laughs> where everything's better <laughs> um, and, but oh my gosh maybe you know let's go check this out because in the American kind of especially if you grow up in different places like your whole vacation is is basically spent your whole holiday is basically spent going to someone's house family or another's and um so we, we did a big trip. Let's go on the other side of the world, trip to end all trips, what we should have done when we were um, backpackers, uh, you know, we should have done it when we were 20. Let's go rent a four-wheel drive and drive up the western Australia coast, and then down Gip River Road, down to Pernalulu. And we did it. Uh, and we drove out the top, flew out the top, and um, just absolutely fell in love with Western Australia. And, um, and Australia as a whole, but like the openness, the big skies, the land of Western Australia is just, you know, I don't think people realize how beautiful this place is and how, how varied the landscape is and how you can, you can take a couple of minutes uh, in any direction kind of and feel like you're in a place that no one's ever been before. So uh, we always wanted to come to Australia from that trip, and of course, 
after that, I went right back. <laughs> you know, life caught up to me. Uh, life went on, but we applied for permanent residency. And um, in 2018, I met, uh, I was, we said, let's just do it. Like, we can't get transferred from New York to Australia. So we packed up everything. We, we came here, and um, I had just finished up with uh, my fresh grocer, which was like a subdivision of uh, Max Delivery. And um, I met Ben and, and Maz uh, from Wide Open Agriculture, and they had this incredible regenerative uh, food mission. But really, uh, the company wasn't at a state where it was commercial. They had just finished a large project to grow uh, vegetables in the wheat belt. Um, it worked from an environmental perspective, but it was not commercially viable. So they were kind of looking how to how to go to market, and um, then this sort of crazy American walks in and says. Hey, I'm looking for um, someone who uh, has has good connections to food because I want to set up an online um, delivery business here. Like, there's the market's wide open in WA. Then you, so then obviously it sparked your interest in wide wide open agriculture. So how how did that, I guess, unfold for you? Um, you know, in it was 2018. I had just sort of arrived in Western Australia. I, I had heard about wide open agriculture, and the last thing that I had done in the Max delivery. Every uh, platform was to an online farmers market uh, in Brooklyn, um, so I was I was excited about this idea. Let's recreate this in Perth. So I drove down to Williams, uh, Williams, Western Australia, which is uh, the heart of the wheat belt. Uh, you know, if you're picturing sort of red dirt scrub, you know that that's uh, Nerogen Williams, uh, big grain growing um, area. I was wearing sort of my New York suit. It was hilarious. Uh, very hot. I had to stop like probably ten minutes out and uh, change change shirts. But um, but yeah, no. I mean, we really hit it off. Like I loved what what Wide Open was doing. I, I've always and I just was really drawn to the connection of you know how can we take regenerative and and, and really make this commercial and there's an opportunity to make it sort of the next organic. Um, or organic plus, however you want to, however you want to define it. But the role of food is is really critical to our environment and, and our economy. And there's so much opportunity to get delicious food, make it more accessible to people, uh, and also improve the way it's made. So essentially, if we dive into wide open agriculture, you've got three divisions. So we've got one, the bunting protein, two, dirty clean food, and three, dirty clean food oat milk. So can you explain each of these divisions? So the total addressable market, I guess where you are in commercialization of each of these divisions? So that, that's right. We have three divisions. And, you know, Dirty Clean Food is uh, a food brand. It's our commercial channel, which we go to market to uh, with a regenerative products, uh, both consumer packaged goods uh, like the oat milk, as well as as well as a digital platform that services uh, 10,000 folks in um, Western Australia. Uh, oat milk uh, is, is really a sort of flagship product of the Dirty Clean Food brand. It's it's the only oat milk on the planet that's made from that's carbon neutral and made from regenerative oats. So it's a it's a pretty compelling product line. That oat milk has uh, launched just been about two years since we launched the product and um, it's in uh, over two thousand stores in five countries. So it's it's really off to a good 
good start. And so I would describe dirty, clean food and oat milk as in a growth phase heading towards, you know, you know, they're, they're definitely commercial scale, you know, scaling in, uh, units. The Bunting Protein product is, is really exciting. Uh, this is uh, a plant-based protein. So it's made from uh, Australia sweet lupin. What's exciting about that? It's and, and Buntine is is a is a town in Western Australia. So um, where lupins are grown, obviously there's a there's a um, you know there's a nice connection to the farmer uh, and the land for where that's grown. But what's really cool about lupins is that about three quarters of of the world's lupins um, are grown in Australia, and the majority of that. Uh, is grown in Western Australia. So from a company perspective and the company's sort of mission uh, and from a competitive moat perspective, uh, you know, lupins are strategically important to the state. And, and the mission of this company has really been to take the best of what we can grow in Western Australia, produce, you know, encourage it to be farmed regeneratively and, and share with the world. Are there any challenges in the oat milk and bunting protein market? So I know even when I get a coffee right, if I change from skim milk to oat milk, they're basically adding on a dollar fifty. And I do love oat milk, but I'd love to know if there's any challenges that you're facing as a business in this space. The oat milk market is really, is really, you know, it's a it's a fast growing, uh, it's taking market share from from dairy and from almond and soy pretty aggressively. Um, I think there's a, a lot of reasons for that, and, and certainly that brings you know new competitors uh, to market. We, you know, we're one of them. Um, I would say you know we're all taking share from dairy, almond, and soy, and and within the oat category, we're all we're all taking share from oatly. You know, a company that defined the the sector and then um, has had some issues with supply. So um, and 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 making good on that differentiation. Um, that they promised a few years ago. The way we compete in um, oat milk is really straightforward. We think folks who choose oat milk, a big factor of that is certainly in the taste and, and frothability categories for coffees. But another big factor of that is that they have a, they don't want to choose dairy and they, and they care about the environment. And so our, our, our production process is is really driven by we're using regenerative oats. There are no nasties in the growing of these oats. There's no uh, fungicide used in the growing of these oats. You know, you're putting something clean into your body um, that helps uh, the environment, um, and it tastes good. It tastes great. Froths froths well in coffee. Performs. Does everything else that you want. Um, but it's really the choice within the category to express how you feel while you, while you pick your coffee. Um, it does cost more uh, felicity than, than dairy. Uh, there's usually like a surcharge at a, at a coffee or the grocery store for this plant-based category. Yeah, I see that probably going away over time. It really depends on the cost of dairy. I mean, you've raised a good point on the supply side, but another kind of um, obvious thought that comes to my mind is the demand side. Humans are typically slow to, you know, take up a new trend, I would say. You know, you know, how do you educate the, the overall consumer market on the benefits of, of what you're saying and alternative protein-based um, products and also educate the farmers? Because here in Australia, as you'd know, similar to the US and Canada, we're big beef producers, right? So I'm hearing what you're saying. You've definitely got the supply issues kind of now but also long term, do you see the demand exponentially growing in in what WA does offer as alternative products? Oh yeah, it's definitely. Um, I, th- I think you're I think you're going to see a continuation of, of 
oat milk growth. So even just within the category, uh, oat milk is, is quickly taking share from almond and soy. Uh, there are practical reasons for that. The, the taste is uh, more neutral, creamier, performs better in coffee uh, than the other two. Also, uh, consumers who, who are choosing to to avoid dairy for environmental reasons are smarter now, or I guess more informed now than uh, in the past. Um, you know, it's, it's it's hundreds of times more water intensive to grow almonds uh, than oats. Uh, and, and soy um, has similar, but not as drastic complications with water use and an incremental supply coming in from areas like the rainforest. So I think as the consumer gets access to more information, and look, we've all had two or three years of plenty of time to look up information during COVID, <laughs> you know, they're, they're better informed. And in the meantime, we've grown our our reach and, and as a category with, with many players has grown its reach to help provide this information. I, I mean, anytime you have a food product, it's got to taste good. That's the number one thing. Our oil bill tastes delicious, tastes clean, uh, works in coffee. and But I do think the, the environmental reasoning um, helps, gives us a pretty strong niche uh, globally, not just, not just here in Australia. But I, ju- I just want to push back, if I can, Jay, on, on one thing, because I, I definitely hear what you're saying. In the same time of COVID, um, yes, obviously we've had the rise of what we want to have is more cleaner, we want to have a better lifestyle, you know, not pumping the gas too hard in terms of work-life balance, the whole emergence of a hybrid worker is definitely, hopefully something here to stay post-COVID, but it still comes back to, you know, the consumer at the end of the day is worried about their wallet and I will sometimes switch. I prefer soy, but I will switch back to, to full cream milk because it is a $1.50 saving, you know, roundabout. Um, and I'm conscious of my wallet. So, you know, I'll get to, I guess, the the latest news, you know, with WA securing $12 million, um, financing deal with NAB. That This is great news in the current climate that we're in because particularly as we drop this episode, a lot's happened in the world of markets in the last seven days, right? So how... How crucial, you know, was the $4 million secure funding in terms of working capital um, that you got with NAB? How far does this funding in terms of timeline get for the business? Thinking, you know, long-term shareholders, what confidence can you give us? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Listen, the the global economy, we're we're seeing news come in. Things are changing. And um, I think as a company... um, We've seen this coming. We've been focused on a couple of things. Um, so in September uh, last year, um, we pivoted our cap. So we're, we're planning on building a large bunting protein production facility, a big capital project. And in September, we realized um, we needed to pivot a little bit on this project if we wanted to execute on the plan. We need to find someone with the existing infrastructure so we could come to market uh, without it being as cash intensive uh, as we... As we had originally planned, you know, we still apply for grants to build a big factory in, in Western Australia at some point in the future. Hopefully, that all works out. But we wanted, we know this is the time for that market to bring bunting protein to commercial scale um, as the industry transitions from soy. So we've we shifted a little bit um, in terms of we're net, we've now found um, a, well, we're in the final negotiations with a strategic partner that can bring a lot of the really reduce the potential capital investment to come to market and it also lets us 
um, scale step by step into it. So instead of having to build, uh, you know, a big factory that produces tens of thousands of uh, potential uh, bunting protein, we can we can start based on our orders and fill it up over time, which which will still allow us to capitalize on the opportunity, control our process, uh, but but sort of preserve our capital during that process. In terms of the NAB, that was a great, we've been obviously been talking to them for a while. I feel really positive about NAB for for, uh, working with us and they they care about sustainability um, as a business value. But yes, getting getting that capital gives us some breathing room. You know, we're a growing company, which is working capital intensive. There's, there's four million dollars of the twelve million facility is working capital, so that's that's really helpful to us. Uh, the other eight um, is for uh, oat milk uh, domestic production, so it's a project-based uh, debt, which which we can use uh, or, or not use depending on the uh, macro climate. Our current plan is to to use that because that is a, a high return potential investment for us. But that's the view. Yeah, things are things are shaky in the world. But um, I think, you know, we've been working hard to make plans that reduce our need for new cash, change capital intensive plans to be um, partnership based plans and, and, and keep um, the majority of our uh, what makes us special. Yeah, definitely shaky times. So for clarification, I know you can't really put a time horizon on it, but is it roughly sort of at least 12 months breathing room, do you feel, or longer? Am I in the right ballpark, do you think? Yes, I think that is a, is a good guess. I, I, it really, de- you know, it could be more or less. It really depends on how we, what investments we choose to make uh, in this period and what our, what our partners are willing to um, put in. Um, a lot of these opportunities are have really attractive returns even in a, even in scary times. Uh, and, and a lot of the companies that we're speaking with in the plant-based food sector, you know, have been kind of waiting for a chance to uh, participate in the sector. And um, I don't know why it's just old word, old school, but they're, they're <laughs> companies that have been around and then they've maybe got exposure to dairy and exposure to sort of traditional uh, consumer packaged goods. And they've seen this, um, investment surge and creation of all these new competitors who are getting, uh, I guess, getting their comeuppance potentially now as it gets hard to access cash. and They just want in, right? Yeah. It doesn't change the trend that people are really shifting how they eat um, and there's not enough protein globally. Um, so uh, it, it's an opportunity for a lot of folks to who missed out or feel like they might have missed out on something big to... Um, to get involved and, and those companies are potential partners. Now you did have another recent announcement which was quite exciting. Dirty Clean Food taking off and getting distributed at WH Smith Australia. So I guess how big is this going to be for wide open agriculture and could there potentially be some more agreement on the horizon? We've done a really good job as a small company creating mutually beneficial business arrangements with larger companies. Um, and, and I think the reason for that is, and so WH Smith, uh, you know, DKSH, uh, Woolworths, uh, Coles Local, significant um, players in food uh, and, and more to come, yes. Um, so I think I think why we do a good job, it's a couple of things, you know. Most companies are reevaluate, most sort of large Companies are reevaluating their relationship with sustainability, uh, what that means to them, and dirty clean food and wide open agriculture have have demonstrated in um, the world's most isolated city, geographically, uh, a test market that we can um, 
build a business and disrupt existing food within, um, with an environmental and, and tasty message. So um, I, I think in every case of these partnerships, there's, there's interest and we get to punch above our weight to use a, a saying um, because of the larger company's interest in how to communicate uh, sustainability at a much larger scale, their scale. Um, but yes, uh, W.H. Smith, this is like my favorite product, the uh, cold brew. I drink way too many of them. I'm drinking one right now, as you can see. And I think what's cool about it is that we're, we're going to be entering the, we're, that's the start of entry into convenience market, which is a, a new market for us um, with with um, certainly the cold brews and then and then soon uh, I don't know if that incorporates uh, the bunting protein in a kind of ready to drink format so think of it as like uh, a protein shake yeah protein shake type type product um, so I think think of it as you know a sign that big players in this market are, are are taking a chance on us, and we're excited to uh, see how this uh, takes off. So you mentioned $10 billion was sold last year. So do you have any more insights into this niche alternative protein market that you can share with us and our listeners? You know, because it is, like you're saying, it's a flagship kind of segment to wide-open agriculture. So we'd love to hear, like, some stats, if you have them, on, on where this market could go. You know, Kagar figures and such like. What gets you excited and out of bed, I guess, for this opportunity? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, our market cap is, um, you know, sub $100 billion Australian. So $10 billion opportunity is exciting, especially when it's, when it's something that exists. It's definitely it's definitely expected to go over $30 billion uh, before 2030, which is uh, pretty exciting growth. You know, sometimes when I look at these numbers, it almost doesn't matter what the who the – the projections it's like this is happening it's big and i think what's what's exciting you know three times growth in, in less than uh, a decade is, is is exciting um but it could be you know a much bigger market and for us i think what's exciting is that lupins uh is a crop that is currently used for animal feed so uh, sheep feed is like its primary use um, and we have a proprietary um, technology that we licensed from Curtin at the beginning of this project, and we've extended patents globally. So um, the way uh, bunting protein works is that lupins are harvested. We, we split them from the seed, and we separate the protein from the from the lupin plant uh, from the seed into from the whey, which is a co-product, uh, you know, fiber and whey. And then we take the protein and we have licensed a technology from, uh, or actually acquired a technology from Curtin University um, to basically unfold the protein, the protein structure of the, of the lupin to increase the number of receptors. Uh, and that improves solubility and um, like the stabilization of how it uh, emulsifies in liquid in gel form. So that technology has helped lupin become something that uh, typically, when eaten d- directly from farm, is bitter and um, hard to mix, and so it ends up being used as a protein source for livestock. And it has given it sort of human level uh, functionality and taste. So, what is really exciting is that when we get bunting protein and we're done with that process, it tastes like nothing. 
it holds in liquid. Like we're, we'll be launching an oat milk that is dairy equivalent protein levels uh, later this year, and it's made of bunting protein and oats from basically the same farming system region. So it's really exciting. From an environmental perspective, the planting of lupins pulls nitrogen into the ground naturally, so it reduces chemical inputs in the whole region. Um, so it's it's a it's a really transformative project that sort of ticks ticks our financial boxes uh, and also ticks our environmental boxes um, and ticks farmers' boxes too because taking a crop that upgrading the value of it from animal feed to uh, human uh, feed is is really valued creation it creates value for the whole industry. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for those exciting new product launches that you're mentioning because as you're saying it's ticking the environmental box, it's ticking the education for farmers and we will get to the financials which is what we love talking about here on Talk Money To Me. But in a moment before we bring you all of that we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so we want to nut down into the financials because on Talk Money to Me, we like to talk money. So if we look at your Q2 FY23 as of 30th Jan 2023, you reported on having 14 quarters of consistent revenue growth in your Dirty Clean food brand, which is absolutely fantastic. So we saw revenue Q2 FY23 of 2.8 million, 21% increases over Q2 FY22 sales, and you had 11.3 million cash at quarter's end. However, if we're looking at 31st of December 2022 financials, the loss for the calendar year of 2022 was 7.6 million. So about a 5.39 negative EPS ratio. Now the market cap's quite small at the moment. You've been sold off around 21 million. So it's essentially the value of your total assets on the balance sheet. Now in a very volatile time, obviously small cap high growth companies do get sold off. But I guess what confidence do you have for this year's 2023 outlook and beyond? Well, that's, that's a good question and um, definitely in top money to me, not afraid to, to talk money. Um, <laughs> Excellent. In terms of the revenue growth, I mean, we, we've launched the business and basically grown every quarter and never looked back. That's, that is really reflective, um, I think, of the, the good job we've done with the brand and the um, and consumers' uh, willingness to and, and eagerness to embrace uh, regenerative food. In terms of uh, the loss making, yes, uh, we've been investing in three uh, big projects. One is uh, domestic uh, oat milk production um, and, and launching an oat milk brand, which requires significant investment in, in branding, sales, and marketing. Certainly, the Dirty Clean Food brand overall is we're now focused on um, 
you know, sort of op, you know, optimizing that and scaling that to, to start generating cash flows. But, but probably most importantly, uh, we raised cash in November 21 and said um, we're going to aggressively spend it in plant-based foods. And we've been investing heavily in bunting protein and, and, and how bunting protein interacts with oat milk. And we've built a um, pilot plant here in Qdale uh, to produce that. And, you know, you have to invest in this space. Uh, to be a player, and um, and we've had to do that. And, and yes, the um, environment has changed macroeconomically, so you know we're, we're taking actions uh, to extend our runway. Definitely think the shares are oversold, and we'll be looking to address you know, anyone's concerns about uh, how we're going to finance uh, these projects as, as soon as practical. That's good to hear. That's some confidence for the long-term shareholders, and I guess just nutting down to the clarification when do you expect you know to become cash flow positive and the overall revenue growth can you give us kind of any guidance there uh we, we've not given that guidance um but I, I would not say that it's something that we're focused on at this moment what we're focused on is executing a bunting protein plan which will have the capability of generating cash flows beyond well beyond anything that is so that has the potential for massive, you know, eight-digit cash flows if successful, and that's what we're that's what we're trying to do, and that that is um, that's really our goal here. And then, in, to the extent that the other two business lines, uh, as we manage them, you know, we're trying to get bring dirty clean food to profitability very quickly. I do expect that's something that'll happen faster than folks think. We haven't given a timeline on that, but it's like top of everyone's mind here. There's a good team looking at cutting costs, looking at uh, margins all across the business, turning inventory into cash. The oat milk is a high margin uh, potential business. Once we have domestic production up, that's, that's, um, you know, more than a thousand basis point change to the economics of that business. So uh, that sounds good. Uh, I think that's on track. But just to be really clear, obviously we want to bring cash flows um, to, to positive or neutral as quickly as possible. But our top goal is getting bunting protein produced domestically at commercial scale quickly with off-taking partners. And that will transform the economics of the business to a state of, uh, well, our, our intention is that that will transform the economics of the business positively. So essentially, Dirty Clean Food is bringing in, you know, some like most of the revenue at this point, but your main focus and the huge catalyst for a re-rate will essentially be when the bunting protein is in the market and you're able to commercially scale then is kind of what we're hearing and what we need to look out for and what investors in wide open agriculture should think about, right? It's a long-term investment, but when it does take off and when they hit these certain milestones, it could be really, really huge for um, for wide open. Oh, definitely. I, I, look, Bunting Protein is, in this market, is uh, massive. And um, I think we have a really differentiated product. I mean, this is a product that, that's grown here in Australia. Lupins is grown here in Australia, is naturally healthy, and is grown with the most sustainable practices you know, of, of any of the competitors that we face. Uh, and, it's, and it's high performance, so it helps people make good products, so it commands a bit with fewer ingredients to change the texture of the end product which could be a drink or a meal. So it's a, it's a win-win. Yeah. So I guess speaking of future good news and catalysts, so who are your major strategic partners at the moment? And I guess, do you think there are also any bottlenecks at the moment that could prevent you from achieving your said milestones? What we've said is that we expect, we're in the final negotiations of a, of a manufacturing partnership with, with a, a large 
business um, with infrastructure, brownfield site to make bunting protein. Um, we'll announce that as soon as possible when that's complete. Um, it'll be this It'll be this fiscal year. Our fiscal year ends June 30th. We've also said we have an offtake agreement with uh, Mondinus in Australia. Um, the corporate parent, Mondinus in Global, is um, the, one of the largest noodle makers in the world. So we're very, and the local, the Australian-based company um, manages a number of brands uh, here in Australia that people would be familiar with, Swan Swan Dip, Swaddle Valley, um, Peckish Crackers. So, you know, I think it's a it's a big consumer brand here at home. So um, we're working with them to uh, use Bunting Protein as a potential ingredient in multiple kinds of products at Miley Nissen. So that's super exciting. Um, we're also actively... Um, Working with new prospects in other areas, what we and we've said we'll announce um, multiple new partnerships before the end of this fiscal year, June 30th. Um, that is still all looking great. I think when we what is going well for Bunting Protein, um, it does fantastic in anything that requires complex texture uh, and mouthfeel. So any of these sort of dairy alternative spaces, yogurt, cheese, milk. It also does uh, very well in baked goods, um, so biscuits uh, is, is one, a high-protein snack that is suddenly um, makes uh, indulging, indulging healthy. I Everywhere. Look out for that. Um, and then, um, yeah, noodles is a, is a big one where the, the texture of a noodle is very important. Noodles. So we've made applications of all of these uh, that have been put in front of uh, some of the largest food companies in the world. Straight away I thought, okay, let's think about your current customers and your future growth. Like where are you seeing, you know, the low-hanging fruit, excuse my pun. The Asian culture typically do love noodles, like you're saying, and aren't typically big in dairy. So talk to us through, you know, where you're seeing the most up upside, um, I'm going to guess the Asian market and customer is a big, important one for your future. Australia, Western Australia, is um, has an economy built on taking wonderful things uh, out of the ground or growing wonderful things and infrastructure ready to sell it and capitalize, uh, help, you know, helping uh, multiple economies in Asia grow as they want to. Uh, and that includes food. Uh, Australia has a great reputation for um, the quality of its food, the, the clean and green level of its food. And, and we have shown through our brand that I think it's through our brand Dirty Clean Food, we've built an online and digital uh, brand and reputation that Asian countries um, can see. And they do check what is popular in the place where I buy my food from, importing from, to build trust uh, and that sort of reputation for high quality. And so, yes, for our oat milk, for Bontine Protein, potentially for other Dirty Clean Food products, the the way to scale this business is – not by more boxes delivered in Western Australia, but by containers uh, into Asia. I see your company has an environmental message, which is very important. So can you tell us a little bit about the four returns and what that actually means for shareholders? I think if you're looking for um, a company that is making genuine impact, wide open agriculture is a great option because we have a in our charter, I think we're the only listed company in the world that has the four returns framework in our in our charter. That's from the Common Land Foundation, which is one of our uh, largest investors and, and certainly one of the first investors in the company. And it's really about how do you create not just financial and environmental 
returns, but it's about over a long uh, time frame, 20 years, how do you transform landscapes with financial, natural, social, uh, inspirational returns? Uh, so it's a, it's a very uh, moving framework, uh, something I believe in, something that uh, if you think back to when we first started talking and I I said uh, I've always been motivated from my family and, and being um, connected with farmers and uh, said something that gives me inspiration. Um, but uh, I really, you know, I really think that um, from an investor's, because we're on talk money to me, um, something to drive home is that look, this is this does feel good. It is ha- does have good does have good social and natural um, meaning to support us, and you should feel good about that. But also. As a product category, you can watch big companies in every aspect of your life start to throw out, throw around words like sustainability in ways that you never would have thought of before. And we are the authentic leader in something that is way more sustainability is not enough for generation. You take it to the next level, really. Yeah, we take it to the next level and people pay for that. So it's not just that we're doing good and it's a not-for-profit. We're, we're doing good, but it, it's getting monetized and and it's creating a new market. I think you should really be thinking about sort of we're at the beginning of maybe a food super cycle like organic. Um, organic plus, the food super cycle of organic plus. <laughs> so right now, really to wrap on, on that fantastic conversation with you, Jay, you're for purpose now and soon to be for profit as a business, which we are looking forward to those new announcements. We now, are too. We're committed to the for profit aspect as well. And we're going to hold you to it. We're going to hold you to it. Now, we normally ask a really fun question with our special guest, but we're just going to flip it a bit this time. If you were a listed company as of right now, what would you be and why? And you cannot pick, obviously, wide open agriculture. I guess it would be fun to uh, get into the wild west of lithium. I think I might be interested in seeing what that's all about. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm not up to date on all the tickers, but I think probably um, that would be kind of fun. I think we've at my company, we've looked a lot at how food and farming and agriculture affects the environment, but it would be pretty neat to... Uh, uh, figure out how to transform um, power systems and, and uh, vehicles. That's a really good answer. So essentially heading into a food super cycle. Also, we are heading into a commodity super cycle and we have spoken about that a few times on Talk Money to Me. Well, thank you, Jay, so much for talking to us. That was such an interesting episode and it's so good to delve even deeper into wide open agriculture. Thanks so much. It was so nice being on. And that's a wrap with our conversation with Jay from Wide Open Agriculture. So as always, guys, a reminder, our conversation today, although we are financial advisors for CNIH Shore and Partners, please note the discussion does not constitute as personal financial advice. And obviously, Jay was not giving you personal advice that he would become a lithium company overnight. which is a really funny answer. Um, Now, as always, you should go out and seek professional financial advice before you make your investment and financial decisions. And the conversation today was based on the facts known at the time of recording, which is the 21st of March, 2023. Now, make sure you give us a follow on at Talk Money To Me podcast for daily market updates. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, if you have any questions or you want to ask us anything, please contact us, tmtm at equity. We'll be back next week. Until next time. 
Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.